Hello, this is Anthony Seitzma, and we're here for another episode of Meet an African Pastor podcast. I'm with my friend Emmanuel, and he's going to share with us a bit about his life and ministry. I'm looking forward to hearing from him and uh, see what he has to say for uh, our North American churches. So, Emmanuel, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Can you share with us first a bit about yourself, your, your name, your location? Tell us about your family. Uh, all right. Yeah, so my name is Emmanuel uh, Akatukunda. Uh, I'm 48 now. I'm married. Uh, my wife is called Helen. And we have four, four biological children. And uh, But we have lived with quite a number of other children. So currently we're... We're living with, um, oh, how many are they? Quite a number. Um, right now, we have three more uh, children with us, so seven. Um, I live in, uh, in Banda, area called Banda in Kampala. It is in uh, uh, the eastern part of Uganda, uh, rather eastern part of Kampala, about six, seven kilometers from the city center. Uh, close to Chambogo University. I think that's one of the milestones and maybe the, the national stadium. So I'm a pastor. I pastor church uh, in, uh, in that area of Banda. It's called Pentecost Evangelical Revival Ministries. We abbreviate it as PERM, P-E-R-M. But I'm also a uh, 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 a theologian working with KEST, Kampala Evangelical School of Theology. Um, I don't know whether there's anything more I need to uh, add. That's, that's good. It's a good, uh, good start, good introduction. Um, maybe tell us a little bit more about your church. How did it get started? And, uh, you know, what, what's the size? What kind of people are there? Yes, so we... Uh, our Palm Banda Church, as we call it, is uh, one of the newer indigenous Pentecostal charismatic churches in Uganda. And as I've said, it is situated six kilometers east side of Kampala. And uh, we, we started uh, the church uh, around the late 1990s. And uh, growing really passion for reaching out to the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the primary passion was really evangelism, reaching out to the communities around us. And uh, eventually, we it our identity became more of um, a young adult kind of church. Um, university going because many of our proximity to the university. But then uh, when we, so we started in a nursery school and we were there for, uh, we were renting, um, we were there for close to five, six years. And then we found a, a property within the community. And because of our location, uh, more members from the community started joining. So for now we have say, 50, 50%, 50% uh, university student and 50% members of the community. Maybe what I need to add is that our community is one of the, uh, the poorer uh, 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 
folks uh, in, in the city. So we, we are located actually very uh, close to a slum, uh, two slums actually, uh, or maybe more than that. Um, so there is Banda, there is a part of Banda that is a slum located in a wetland near the railway. There's also Chinawataka. Chinawataka is one of those famous slums in Kampala, big ones. And so, so part of our com the church community reflects that, uh, reflects that. So it reflects the student community, reflects the, the people from the slum area, but also probably 20%, uh, you would say the, the, the working middle class. Okay, that's that's very helpful, very interesting. Um, actually, I was going to, this connects a little bit to what I was going to ask you. Whenever I go to Kampala, uh, it's very chaotic for me. It's quite overwhelming, stressful <laughs> to drive through. Um, and of course, there's poverty as well. Um, and a lot of divide between the rich and the and the poor there. What, what are some of the, the challenges that you well, you, your church or you personally face from having a church in Kampala, what are some of the unique challenges and maybe some of the unique joys and uh, of having a church there in such a big city? Yes, yeah, so uh, thank you for asking. Uh, I, I think the, the, the challenge is um, the, the physical economic challenges uh, the poverty, it's just stuck, it's, it's right there into your face. Uh, and um, families who cannot even afford uh, a meal. Um, uh, so the urban poverty is quite unique because you don't have gardens where they can go and plant stuff. So if you don't have money, if you're not working, it's really, really tough. Uh, and so the parents uh, are, are hustling, they have to make ends meet. And then the children sometimes have to be just left on their own. Uh, and so the implications of actually urban poverty are very, very stark there. Um, absentee parents, and you can't really blame them because they have to <laughs> fend for their families. So for instance, uh, if you, two years ago, before the COVID and the lockdown, we were doing a prayer walk um, around this community. And really, we were wondering, how do we respond to the needs around here? And um, as we were praying around, around the community, we we're praying in twos and threes, and we we're being, kind of being sensitive to the needs around us challenges and, and and you would it was in the evening and you would find sometimes these kids are just alone at home no parents um either the parent maybe one of the parents is not even there or they are they are around but practically not available because either they are working late in the evening to sell some stuff to make some money and all that so you have children, so many of them who are practically with no, no parents. So that's one of the, the, the huge needs actually around our church. And maybe probably you may ask uh, one of the ministries we do, uh, and, and one of those being uh, ministering to the children. 
around our community. And they, our church is relatively small, mm-hmm. um, the under 100 adult members. Okay. But uh, our children ministry attract uh, when we used to have uh, in-person meetings for these kids, uh, up to maybe 200 kids or, or over the weekend. And they come. And partly the reason they came, well, I think they came to have fun. Because remember, this even the spaces they have are constrained. And maybe they came because our church has some little bit of space. I mean, the church hall itself. So maybe they come because they have a space to play. But also, we would provide a hot uh, meal, porridge, really, porridge and bread or, or cake or something. And I guess many of them would just come to have that cup of porridge, that mug of porridge and the bread. So that's one of the ministries, but also that, that's one of the challenges, but also one of the joys to be able to reach mm-hmm. out to families and to, to children in some of those practical ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it gives you more opportunities for ministry in a way. Yes, yes. Yes, they are, they are, the, the more the needs, the more opportunities. And for me, the, for us, the, the, over, the, the question that is guiding our reflection and ministry is how do we live like Jesus in spaces like ours, in spaces like Banda? Because um, even for the students who come, they are, they are, they are needy because... Uh, it's, it's expensive to, I mean, relatively expensive to have an education in, in Kampala. And most of the expensive things are not even tuition. Tuition is expensive enough, but accommodation, uh, hostels are very expensive. Some of these kids cannot even afford. Uh, they end up in these lots because uh, that's pro- probably the spaces they can afford. So they don't have much. So it, so how do we meet, uh, not really meet, but how do we respond in some ways to the needs of these university students, to the needs of these mothers and fathers in the slums, of course, the children as I've already mentioned. So that question is, uh, it, it, and we, ref- it's, as we, the more we reflect on it, the more it becomes, uh, apparent that um, if, if you are to respond like Jesus, then you can't be superficial about human life, human needs, human struggles. So it's tough, but uh, it's again a joy for us to be there, to be able to minister. That sounds great. I, I love hearing about the ministries that your church is doing. Um, for someone like me who is used to living in a more rural or small town area what are what are some of the exciting things for you about living in a in a huge city like Kampala what what is city life like there what what is exciting for you about being there yeah uh, well uh, um city life is exciting uh it's uh it's it's dynamic it's highly dynamic it's uh things change very fast. Uh, it's full of life, uh, full of, actually, regardless of all the, the suffering and all our parents' suffering and all the pain, 
but also it's full of hope. Uh, uh, what I didn't say, I'm doing um, a, a, a program. I'm a student as well, uh, a doctoral student. A part of my research is to interact with people on, who live on the margins, really, in slums. And uh, I had a, a, a meeting with some of the people in Banda. And uh, it's full of hope. They are full of hope. They say, this is a place of opportunities. Yes, there are challenges, but this is a place full of opportunities. So people are, are hopeful. They are looking forward to make it in life. And so we, again, and as you know, hope is one of those big themes in the Bible. And, uh, and, and really to, to direct them, not only just hope for their material needs, but the ultimate hope in Jesus Christ. So it's full of life, it's full of hope. It's very active. And, um, and for me, I find that very exciting. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. Let, it, let me um, switch to a kind of a different topic. Um, as we try to get to know you as a person, it sounds like you're doing a lot outside of pastoring. Uh, you work at KEST, you mentioned, the school. Maybe tell us briefly what you do at the school and then also what else you do for, for work or for fun outside of pastoring and, and KEST. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, I work with KEST, Kampali Manjibo School of Theology as academic dean. So already in charge of programs, curriculum, and uh, as really as a team lead for, for the faculty. Uh, and so, especially in these last two years, because of COVID, a lot of, a lot of work, but also a lot of challenges. Um, and as I said, I'm also a student uh, doing a PhD in um, urban, uh, urban theology, urban ministry related areas. Um, uh, so that's that's really the other part that I do. What I do for fun outside, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, when you're a pastor, then you're a parent, then you 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 you're in a theological education um, area. You have very little time for for yourself. But uh, I, I love I, I love gardening. I, I love gardening, and so I spend. A little yes. bit of my time in, in gardening. Uh, I do it really for therapeutic purposes. I just, I find that's one of the ways I really, I love plants, I love nature. And so I, I do quite a lot of that. But also I do uh, a devotional writing devotionally. Uh, so I write devotionals uh, based on sometimes my sermons or some biblical themes. So I do... Um, contribute to one of the uh, 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 magazines in South Korea on a monthly basis. And, and it's, it's really been fun for the last six or so years. When, when you were talking to my wife, Sarah, uh, you were really yeah. enjoying talking about agriculture. It sounded like you're kind of an innovative farmer. Is that, is that right? Oh, well, that's, that's probably, it's, it's an overstatement. I, I am, I, I, I really, I like, I like exploring stuff. And so even in farming, I like exploring new things. Uh, 
I like uh, looking at, uh, especially there's a lot of, we, we have a lot of things in Uganda, in Africa, uh, vegetables, fruits, but they go to waste because we, we don't have um, uh, means to preserve. So one of the things, and I haven't gotten there, but I'm, I'm wondering how can we create local technologies, maybe not high tech, but low tech, but that uh, accessible to communities that can help them uh, to be a ministry to the community. I wanted to, to be a ministry to the community. Uh, um, can you hear me, Anthony? Yes, you disconnected for a second, but you're back. Okay, sorry about that. So I, I want this kind of work to be a ministry to the community, people to come and say, oh, actually, this is doable. So when you come to staff, it's not very organized. Uh, and so some of it, because I'm disorganized, but also partly because I want to say to people, hey, you can do it. So I'm not up to using sophisticated stuff. I use recycled stuff to, to grow things. And, and I'm also trying, piloting really uh, some farming um, initiative outside of Kampala again, as a way of uh, community engagement. But those are, some of them uh, are still ideas that need to be uh, implemented, uh, but also probably uh, kind of something that I'm passionate about and hoping that one day it will take off and, uh, and, uh, and the community will really uh, uh, be brought on board. And I really feel bad with, uh, like Anthony, you've seen all these mangoes in Tesla during the season. Yeah. And how much goes to waste because they can't be preserved. And in my mind, I'm like, why do we waste all this? Can't we do something? So, so really, those are some of the questions that um, bother me, but also motivate me to, to do whatever I do. But again, it is still small scale. And, um, mm -hmm. I hope I can improve on it later. Probably when I retire, that's what I'll be doing as part of my ministry to the community. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, let me switch topics again. I, I know you and I know that you're a person with a lot of exposure, especially as a pastor and teacher. Uh, you You've traveled all over Uganda, and uh, you also uh, have had a lot of interaction with North Americans. Um, so I just want to get into that topic a little bit. Um, what, what can you teach North Americans about the African churches today, both in terms of what are the strengths that you see uh, in the African churches, or let's say and specifically in Ugandan churches that North Americans should be aware of? And what are the challenges that are facing Ugandan churches or African churches today? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really a million dollar question. Um, I, <clears throat> I haven't actually reflected that question as much as I should. But if I think about it, I think one of the things that we can learn from, and again, 
African churches, Ugandan churches are diverse. There is a whole spectrum of churches. Yes. There are churches who uh, are well resourced in terms of finances. There are churches that are struggling. There are churches that are very charismatic. There are churches that are uh, on the other side of the spectrum. But one of the things that I think we can learn from uh, Ugandan churches is, um, is simplicity. Uh, doing, I think, much with less. Um, I've been in, again, in a few uh, 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 churches outside of Uganda, and one, whenever I go, I am just amazed at the amount of ministry resources they have. If it comes to children ministry or youth ministry, whatever it is, they, the amount and um, and so uh, when you come to, to some of the churches, even some of the churches we work with, it's like in terms of material resources, they have almost nothing, but they actually do ministry. And so for me, is how do we do much uh, with less? Uh, oh, yeah, so that's one simplicity being grateful. Regardless, and 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 also that's another thing that the one of the things they find is the joy, especially when you go to rural churches, even in our churches here where, um, like Banda, where people are really going through so challenges and poverty and pain and, and all that. It's like um, there, there is this joy that they have, this level of contentment that they have. And I think it is a basis for, it can be a basis for doing ministry, for flourishing, for, for believing God. And also, amazing amount of faith, believing that God can do anything. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it is taken uh, overboard, but I mean, to, to believe that God can do amazing things. So really, for me, the, the, this whole principle of simplicity, uh, looking at say, hey, this is what we have. We have to do whatever we can to do the work God has called us to do. Um, and uh, we want to, to really appreciate the Western, uh, the churches from, from the North, uh, from uh, um, the West, for, for their engagement and involvement in ministry in, 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 in Uganda, in Africa, uh, to in, in terms of supporting and resourcing ministries and missions and missionaries. And so but we want more partnerships and engagements as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and uh, one, one other thing that we can learn from the church here is uh, the story, the power of uh, stories and testimonies and to, for, because most of the time we are uh, an oral culture, so we value stories. So being able to, to listen to the stories of how God has carried us through challenges and, and how God has been at work in the church and in our communities. So I think the American church could come and listen to some of our stories and they're amazing, amazing stories. God at work uh, in the lives in the lives of people. 
Yeah, I love that. That that is very good. Uh, we need to listen to those stories and listen to them well. Um, let me pick up on something you said. You were you were talking about uh, the way that you are appreciating some of what North American churches are doing in Africa and Uganda specifically, um, and that you are looking for partnerships. So maybe uh, just on generally speaking. Um, where do you see the role of, of the North American church in Africa, in Uganda? What kinds of things should we be focusing on to partner with Ugandan churches or organizations? And what are, what are things that we maybe should stop doing? You know, we need to, we need to learn from you and hear from you. So whatever wisdom you have to share, it'll be really helpful for all of our listeners. Yes, th thank you so much. I, I think the beginning is coming, both of us, uh, and the church in North America, um, knowing that we, we are the church of Christ. And so we are brothers and sisters. So we, and when we are in this ministry, we are partners in ministry. No one is greater than the other. No one is inferior to the other. We are partners in ministry. So when we, we, we come, or when the, 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 the partners, uh, brothers and sisters from North America come, they come to, as I said, to listen and to see how God is at work in Africa, because God is at work in Africa. God is at work in Uganda. And probably in different ways. I mean, man, his work being tested in different ways than is in, in, in North America, but he's clearly at work. And so I think coming with that sense of discerning and uh, to understand how is God at work and how can we get involved? How can we get involved in what God is already doing? in Africa, how can we work together? And in some cases, how can we support this work that God is already doing? So, so uh, again, you don't want to come with an agenda, but you come with an open heart of discerning what God is doing and getting involved there. And I've been blessed to find some of the brothers and sisters who come with that kind of open heart. But I've also found some people, uh, some missionaries who come and they already have an agenda. They want you to get into it. And sometimes, you know, you've been, I've been here long enough and, and you're like, this can't work here. <laughs> and, but they're insisting. Like, mm, it has to yeah. work this way. And, 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 uh, and it can be very frustrating. So for me, that sensitivity of knowing and understanding that God is at work. The context is different. Things may not be working out the way I'm used to them doing. It may not even, it may even seem as though things are not working. But actually, God is here. The Holy Spirit is here working in the church. And I want to discern how he's at work. And uh, I want to get involved. Because we're, again, the church of Christ. It's the kingdom of God. And we are participants. We are all getting involved in what God is doing. Uh, thank you so much for sharing those honest reflections. 
what what would you say particularly since you you are passionate about theological education uh, what what is the North American church's role in theological education in Africa it's a kind of a tricky question sometimes because of paternalism and and other issues um, so what what advice can you share in that area yes uh, with the, the I think the, the work of theological education in Africa is, is growing, actually, as you might be aware, you're involved in training in different ways. Um, and uh, so there's much that has happened, especially in the last uh, 10, 20 years in terms of theological education. And uh, there's still a huge, huge task of, 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 of paying past and, and, and the ministers of the gospel in Africa, but also I think the, 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 the framework, the theological framework that we received 20, 30 years ago from our friends and well-meaning well friends from North America and, and other places where was based on the questions that were being asked in America and not, 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 not here. But we received it and we taught it, and um, and we find that uh, sometimes there is a dysfunction between what people learn and then when they get to ministry, uh, the realities on the ground and what so, some of the things that are, I've discovered is that it's not reinventing a new gospel. The gospel is the same. The message of the gospel is the same. But how do we contextualize it in, so that it responds and addresses the realities that we are dealing with. So that's, so again, it should be a conversation when, when the North American brothers and sisters come, they should enter into a conversation with the church, with the realities on the ground and uh, uh, seek to know how they can respond, but also in conversation again and consultation with the people who are on the ground. The second thing, I think we still need, uh, we are not yet financially strong enough to support all the theological uh, training initiatives that we would want to have. And so uh, one of the, the ways that the church in North America could do is to support financially the theological initiatives. And, and there are different ways to do that. It can be in terms of programs, developing programs, it can be in terms of uh, uh, supporting some of the, of the Africans to, to study, especially advanced degrees, so that they can come and be leaders in, in theological training in, in Africa. Uh, the other the others is um, yeah supporting curriculum development uh, uh, here here in, in in Africa and in Uganda. So there are many ways, but we have also been blessed, especially at Kese, uh by missionaries who come and they spend they they dedicate their time and expertise, of course, to teach. Uh, to teach courses, either short time, as short time missionaries, they come and teach maybe for a week or two or for six, six months, or some have dedicated 
some years to be here. And they have been a huge, huge place because many of them, they do it at their cost. They are able to raise funds on their own. And that relieves us of the financial burden to be able to, to, that we would have actually incurred if we were to hire people to teach the courses they teach. So there are many ways that uh, we can ha have our partnerships with our friends in North America as far as their education is concerned. That's great. Thank you so much for that question. We're getting near the end of our time here. Um, so let me maybe just ask you one or two more questions and then, uh, and then we can stop. Um, so we don't have too long of a, of a recording here. Um, I, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but you mentioned about contextualization. Um, I was wondering if yeah. you had any example of that, um, especially in terms of you know, teaching, theology, curriculum, um, of an example of something that you know, needed to be contextualized differently for, for Uganda. If you can't think of anything <laughs> right offhand, it's okay. But if you have something in mind, I'd love to, to hear an example or two. Yeah, I, 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 like you said, good one. I, I, it's one of those things I'm reflecting on very, very uh, much. Um, and it, it, it comes, I think, in many, in many ways. What can be at a curriculum level? Uh, how do we teach theology? How is people's uh, understanding of Jesus uh, affecting how they relate to their realities? Uh, like we've talked about, especially, say, uh, people who live in the slums, how do they understand hope? And how does that help them to, to persist or even to resist? some of the injustices that um, uh, held, uh, that, uh, that, that, uh, that, that they, they, they see as, as, as they live. But uh, for, for us, for, for us uh, at KISS, uh, I, I think one of the things that we have had to do is um, say the theological categories or even in terms of programs that we do, uh, that are responsive to, to the needs of the church. So not, not only what we teach, but also how we teach. Uh, for instance, we've had to do a lot of our courses in Christian counseling because we are a very communal-based, community-oriented people. We share stuff and all that, and everyone is giving advice. So we've had to structure it in ways that um, churches can help their members to, to cope with the challenges. So the, the, how we teach, uh, being flexible also in the, in the way that we teach the programs. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, again, I think I needed to reflect more on this. Uh, on, on the contextual nature of how we do, but basically, how do we teach and, and what do we teach, how do we teach, especially um, not detached from, from the people and from the realities. One of the things that we've had to do with our students is to get them engaged in, um, 
um, uh, yeah, immersion experiences. I was looking for the word. Uh, we talk about taking the classroom into the city. And so when we teach even about uh, any course, given any course, them uh, into the into the communities and they spend some time with the people asking questions related to the course. Uh, for instance, we, we, we've done a course on um, the work and ministry of the church and we require the, 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 the students to go to one of the slums and just spend time there. And uh, then the question is, how would you design a, a, a program uh, for, for your church to respond to some of the needs that you saw and the, some of the questions, the, 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 rather some of the suggestions that they brought were really, really revolutionary. And so for us, it's not just classroom oriented and having all these concepts, but uh, asking how do these concepts relate to our reality? And of course, the rural concept, context is different from our urban but for me, uh, I've been working in the urban context. And so those are some of the things that um, I can bring it, uh, I'd rather bring out right, right now yeah, that's in terms good. of context. Things, yeah. yeah, I had been thinking, um, you know, my mind just went to contextualizing like a theological point, but yeah, even the way the learning is structured and, and the format, yeah, it's, it's different. Um, yeah. we, need, we need to yes. stop. Um, but I want to close with two things. Um, one, maybe there's something you want to say to the North American church, some kind of encouragement or challenge or prayer for them. And then um, after you do that, you can tell the listeners how they can pray for you and your church, because I know that some of them who are listening would love to pray for, for your church and, and for you and your family. So you can share an encouragement to the North American church and then um, say how they can pray for you. All right, thank you. Yes, uh, I, I want to really thank our brothers and sisters in the American, uh, North America who pray, who give, who, who support the work that God is doing right here in Africa, and I want to encourage them to do that. And also to just to um, keep hope going. I mean, they are, especially during this time, so many things are happening. And... Um, and, and let them, let all of us live by faith, live by faith and discern what is God saying during this time. Because many times when we have challenges, we tend to think uh, inwardly and selfishly and, and maybe not selfishly, but kind of we go into a self-preservation mode. Let's keep asking God, even in this time of crisis, what does the Lord want me to do for, for his work, for his church? So just really to thank them and also to encourage them to keep the hope and the faith going. Uh, for me, uh, as a prayer request, uh, is to pray that we will truly be a church that is in, involved in, in the community and that God will save the people, uh, that uh, we, will, we will be the, the light and light exposes stuff that we will not fear to speak the truth to power, but also that we will be the salt, that we will, Christ will use us to bring uh, transformation 
to the community that we, we, we are ministering in. And again, uh, really praying along that question that I started with, how do we live and minister like Jesus in our community? That as we continue to ask that question, that God will reveal to us in vivid, practical ways on how we can be an effective church within our community and in Uganda. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that encouragement and also those those prayer requests. I know that I will pray for you and, and our listeners will as well. So let me end there. Thank you so much, Emmanuel, for your time and for sharing with us. I've really appreciated it. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Have a great day too.